Good morning, Burlington Baptist Church. I will tell you that I am ecstatic that my last month is behind me. Not because I didn't have a good time. It's great going to Fuge. It's great worshiping with students and ministry. Um, coming home in a very short week and then preparing and heading off to Puerto Rico where I got to meet new friends and spend time with my old friends that I've known there uh, for now my journeys into that mission field. But I'm exhausted. And Kendra, I can't, was talking about that wheel and a hamster thing. We did the funeral on Friday, and then yesterday I was blessed to be a part of a wedding. And if you have a young person that is thinking about getting married, if they come to you and tell you that we would like to have a July wedding outside on a boat dock, slap that child as fast. Now, I've been a part of two of these now in my life. And they're sincere blessings. I did the first one for my great friend Brian Blair. And then the second one, I did it for one of our former youth, Heather Kiewe. And um, Craig Warman looked at me yesterday and he goes, you are a sucker and you would do anything for these kids even after 20 years. I said, you're absolutely right. But when I went up to Sardinia, Ohio, anybody been to Sardinia, Ohio? You know what that shows me? Not many people know where Sardinia, Ohio is. If you go out from Batavia, eventually you come to a road called Purdy Road. If you turn right on Purdy Road, you run right smack dab into Sardinia. When you run into it, you're also running out of it, okay? So Friday evening, Kendra and I in Brooklyn jumped in the van and uh, went up for our wedding rehearsal. And Heather, who was the bride, looked at me and she goes, Jeff, she goes, here's what I'm thinking. She's going 10, 15 minutes tops. I said, okay, I can handle that. So yesterday I showed up for the wedding. It was about 2.30 and the wedding was going to be right a little bit after 3. And uh, Heather comes walking up to me and she goes, Jeff, I've been thinking. I said, great. She goes, number one, you don't have to wear your black jacket. And I'm going, thank you, Lord. (laughs) Nothing conducts that heat like a black jacket. And then she said the most amazing thing. She goes, I've also been thinking maybe two, three, five minutes tops. And when she did that, I just about fell on my knees and thanked the Lord. But we had a beautiful day to do it out on a boat dock, a beautiful setting, um, just catching up, being able to talk and meet new people. And it's, it's one of those things that in my life that I cherish so much. They're the memories. And today I want to talk a little bit, at least start out talking about memories because we all have them. And when you look at your life as an individual and as a Christian, it is those memories that you carry with that help you make the decisions and give you the path that you're going to follow They give you the wisdom to use for the future. And there's a couple of things that I wanted to bring up first of all. I love 
certain things in my life and and memories bring them just flooding back and this week as I was preparing for this sermon there was a couple of things that I jotted down number one were important days do you remember this day July the 4th 1776 if you raise your hand and say you remember it I have to call you a liar okay I'm just gonna but this day is very special because it showed our country's independence. As I told them in the first service, this is not the day that the John Hancock Insurance Company was founded. You have to be a historian to know what I'm talking about, but his signature is a lot bigger on that than everybody else's. That day set aside what 13 colonies could do. They could take on the biggest empire in the world at that point in time, and struggle for independence and come to a common knowledge that they wanted freedoms, put them on paper, and men willing to sit down and sign that. Our Independence Day. Not only did it change the course for our country and for us as individuals, but it did it for the world too. Because there were so many countries and places that were watching us and how we struggled for our freedom and they wanted that same kind of freedom. So that is a very important day. It's a day that we don't forget about. And it's a day that we just celebrated not too long ago. But I started thinking about other days that are special to Jeff Perry. Days in which there is no explanation needed. I can just show you the image. The first one is March the 14th, 2012. The day that Oreo cookies were invented. Is there anybody in here that likes Oreo cookies? Really? That's what I'm getting. Is there anybody, who is willing to stand up if you think that you love Oreo cookies probably better than anybody else in this place? Come on, come on, stand up. There you go. There's a reason why I asked that. I have in my hand one of God's greatest gifts to this earth. (laughs) If you don't understand how much I like Oreo cookies, let me give you my side profile. (laughs) There's a couple of things you don't know about Oreo cookies. Number one is this, that last year they came out with birthday cake Oreos. Did you try those? Those were pretty good. And now you can't find them anywhere. The second thing I want you to know about Oreos, and I learned this at the age of 17 years old, on a farm in Kenton County with three guys that were frog gigging at night, that if you take an Oreo cookie and you take the white stuff and you place it in a fire, it will burn. You may never eat an Oreo the same way again now that you know that the, the white stuff was flammable. I didn't know that, but we got it to burn that night. But Brett is my running person. Stand back up. See that man right there? He was the first man to jump up. He is willing to admit, I'm giving him a package of Oreo cookies. But my dates don't stop there. As much as I love Oreo cookies, there is one date that is greater than that. And it's a date that happened just this week. I got to celebrate the birthday of one of my most favorite places in all the world, July the 13th, 1937, Krispy Kreme. 
I'll tell you this about my, oh yes, there are donuts in here, yes. I do not go anywhere with an empty box, okay? Let me tell you a little history about Krispy Kreme donuts. Recent history. We were in Puerto Rico, and we were coming back from our snorkeling at the Luminescent Bay, and we're traveling from the lower part of the island back up to San Juan, And as I do, I'm just sitting there daydreaming, and the road comes to a fork. And if I go to the right, I head back up to San Juan. If I go straight, I head into Ponce. Well, Jeff was daydreaming, and he went straight into Ponce. And just as soon as I did it, I knew it. I said, I should have gotten off, and I was getting aggravated myself. And then the light of the Lord appeared. (laughs) I looked over on my left-hand side. And there was a brand new Krispy Kreme store they had just opened. And the hot light was on. Praise God. So we had to make a U-turn, and I told the kids, and I've told them this, and I promise it. I am telling you the truth. I am in church. May the Lord do whatever he wants to do with me. I did not do that on purpose. I believe in divine intervention in every part of my life. And Krispy Kreme is a divine intervention. I don't know if you're aware of this, but we have one again now in our area. It's getting a little bit closer. They just opened one up on Beachmont Avenue. The day it opened, I was there. (laughs) This weekend, I've been there twice. First time was for me. I got mine, the chocolate covered with the frosting in the middle, awful, awful good. And then yesterday I was thinking about you guys when I picked up a couple of dozen for out there and for in here in the service. So I've got a question. Who really, really likes Krispy Kreme donuts? Oh my gosh. Stand up, Nate. Stand up. Okay, here's what I find out. Stand back up. Three people. Are you standing up, Jack? Oh, Jack, stand up. Okay. Okay, does it matter that they're not warm anymore? Okay. Because of the people that are standing up, I look at your faces and I trust Jack the most, okay? I am going to send Brett back with Jack, and then you guys meet out in the foyer, and you split this dozen donuts, okay? That's the only fair and Christian thing I can do. And don't come to my house because I haven't eaten all of mine yet, okay? So take those back to Jack, and you make sure that you see Jack. Jack, you'll share, won't you? Yeah, thumbs up. There we go. Memories are great. I can remember where I had my first Krispy Kreme donut. I had just left Seminary Village in Louisville as a 16-year-old guy. I had slept on the lawn of a cute girl whose father was in the seminary, and I was heading back out to camp, and they were selling them at the intersection there in Louisville. And I remember I pulled up, and I was starving to death, and I didn't know what the guy wanted. I gave him $4. He threw a dozen of those things. I popped one of those in my mouth, and I said, there is a God. Memories are the things that drive us. 
to the things in our life that are precious to us. There's other things that are in our memory banks that are even more precious to us and a little bit more serious. One of those is this. The date that all three of those children were born. Uh, Brett has a special story because I made Kendra hold her contractions until the Kentucky game was over. True story? True story. I said, I can't go right now. Game's winding down. That doesn't play out well. But I'll tell you this about that picture when I look at them. If you've taken those three children, please bring them back to me because the three I have right now are killing me. I mean, they are not my children. Look, Brianna and Brooklyn and Brett smiling on all, all they do is aggravate each other now. But that was a special day and I will always remember that. And I'm sure you have days like that that are special for you. I remember my wedding day. I was smart enough not to put my wedding picture up there. Yeah, and she's shaking her head, yes, you don't do it. Both of us had perms. <laughs> Did not want that to be seen. And if I'm lying, I'm dying, but I'm telling the truth. My perm is better than yours, but that's, that's the point. Anyway, special days. But the one day that I cherish happened in the month of March, the 20th, 1977. And it was the day that I was sitting second pew while my father was preaching. It was following a revival service that Jesse James Buell had done. And Jesse James had gotten done preaching. My dad was standing up in the front. And I finally unclenched my hands from the pew and opened up. And I said, I've got nothing else to lose. I've got to try this. It was the day that I accepted Christ. It was the day that my life began to be in Christ. And the verses of Scripture that we're going to share and look at today, you might have heard them all. I hope you have. I hope they're common. I hope they're buried in your heart. So in times of struggle and need, in times when you're sharing your love of Christ with somebody else, these are the verses that you refer to. But every one of them is pertinent to all of us, whether we're Christians or not Christians. Whether you have faith in Christ or whether you don't, because they speak to the root of what God had a plan for all of our lives for. And that is for all of us to be in Christ. The first verse of Scripture comes up is Romans 6 23 and it says for the wages of sin is death but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord raise your hand if you heard it good when I read that scripture I know it means something different to me as I've gotten older because there's this term in there it's called wages Now, every one of us can probably go back in our memory banks and we can think about the wages that we've made. So, this is the point of audience interaction. I just want you to yell out some of your first wages that you actually got, your first real job, what your wages were. A dollar an hour. 225. 310. Anybody else? Six dollars. Forty-five cents. You win because um, Sandy in the first service said 50 cents is what her first was. You're the lowest so far. Anybody else? 
Anybody else still think their wages are low? Yeah. 29 cents. And when you think about it, at that point in time in your life, that seemed like so much, didn't it? When you look down at that, you sit there and look at it. You know, I told Brett this one day. I said, you know, I said, I used to work on the farm and dad would pay us off, usually in love. But every once in a while, he'd give us a $5 bill for putting in three days work or putting in hay. And my grandmother would take us down to the Madison for the movie. And it was always a Walt Disney flick. We'd always stop at Ben Franklin's in Latonia because she did not like to buy the movie theater candy. She thought they were trying to rob us. And we would always eat dinner at White Castle on Madison Avenue right across from the Basilica. And I would take 80 cents of my money and I would walk into White Castle. And the deal was that if we bought our food, my grandmother would always buy our drinks. And it was always cream soda for some reason. So I had a Bart's cream soda and I'd take 80 cents up and I would say, can I please have eight White Castles? Oh, if we had a time machine, we would all weigh 300 pounds, okay? <laughs> or we would be die, uh, dying of congestive heart failure, one. And I'm sitting there thinking about all these times in life when that money was very dear to me. And wages are the things that drive the force. If you listen to what's coming in this presidential election, you're gonna hear it talk about it all the time. Minimum wage. Because they know it hits people where it is. But as we look at that verse of scripture, I see the word wage, and I understand this from my Christian side. That without Jesus Christ, a person is going to be paid off in the end. Number one is we don't know when our end is going to take place. But the wages of sin is death. And it manifests itself in life today when you see people struggling. When you see people that are fighting against the current, when they can't keep their head above water, basically when they don't have a relationship in Jesus Christ. Death sometimes is a long and drawn out process. And I think about that when I'm talking with families that are dealing with people in their lives that have addiction problems. That it doesn't happen really quickly and it drags out. So as I read that scripture, it puts me in light that I want to be on the Christ side of the wages. I want everybody that I come in contact with to be paid off with eternity. Not heaven, but eternity. Because a lot of times I think, and you might disagree with me on this, but we do a disservice when we talk about heaven in the light that we're going to get a mansion and we're going to have this because we're putting it into human terms. It's about the stuff that we can accumulate. But when we talk about what the reverse is of death in that scripture is, it's not talking about the stuff that we're going to gain because we deserve nothing. What it's really talking about is the eternal life and the eternal security that we have that God walks by our side. And if there's anybody in this room that does not have that eternal security, let this be the day when you begin the process of talking with God. 
praying about it. Coming to the realization that life is better here than over there where death seems to reign. Second piece of scripture that I have for today is in Romans 8.1. Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Jesus Christ. It is not saying here that when you become a Christian and you have Jesus Christ, when you are in Christ, that there is no more sin and there's no more penalty for sin. Because that does not leave until we reach our eternal home. The truth is, what it's saying here is that while we're in Christ, that condemnation is not a finger pointing back at us. That we're promised that gift of salvation if we claim it. And when we claim that gift of salvation, God is looking us in the light of somebody knowing that we do trust him, but we are still living in the world and we still have the same kind of struggles. I shared in the first service that there's a lot of times when I have students come to me and they'll look at me and they say, Jeff, I don't know if I'm saved or not. And I'll be honest with you, over these last 20 years of my Christian walk, working in church, I hear that a lot. And it's probably because their security wasn't built on the fact of Jesus Christ's perfect love dying on a cross. It was built on the promise that, hey, you're not guilty anymore. You have a label. You fit in. But the truth is, and I tell them all this all the time, I go to church every week, and there's no guarantee for the people that are sitting in the pews in front of me how many of them actually have a relationship in Jesus Christ. And there's also the possibility that they believe that by walking in the magical doors and sitting in a pew, I'm in. And I still haven't found that piece of scripture yet. See, when I read that condemnation, I know that God isn't going to condemn me to hell because of the fact that I still have sins and I do it every day. I fight thoughts, I fight struggles. And this is one that I shared in the first service that I never ever thought I would say in public. I've never said it to my wife. I've never said it to my children. My, my children sat here in the service and they heard me say this. I had a gentleman walk up to me and said, have you ever just thought of ending it all? Hitting a wall where you can't go any farther. And at that moment as a minister, you think I've got two ways to play this. I can play it the ministry wise or I can play it God's way. And I can tell you that there have been times in my life when I was trying to control my situation, when I was trying to be the one that was making the changes and it was Jeff, 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 and when things started to fall apart, I was on my knees and I thought to myself, I'd be better off for all those people if I wasn't here. The difference is this that I know that my life in Christ is built on the fact that Satan is constantly at war with me. He's lost the battle for my soul. So if he can convince me or force me to focus on something else, it takes my mind and my, my path away from what he has called me to do. 
And so many times as Christians, we get caught up in all that garbage. And I'm not telling you that there's not struggles in life because they happen every day. The difference is that as a Christian, we know what the end says. We've won. And if you have that relationship in Jesus Christ, that's what you cling to. That's what you hold on to. That God has already promised me and fulfilled my life so many ways that I've won that victory. And it's something that I thank him for every day. I don't know what the struggles are in your lives once you're brought in here. I'm just telling you that being in Christ allows me to have an option to deal with that stuff. And if you're not working for that premise in your Christian life, it's not because you're a horrible person. It's not because you're terrible. It's not because you don't have control. It's because Satan is being louder than your prayer time with God. And you need to control that. The third piece of scripture it's from 2 Corinthians 5, 17. This one was pounded in while we were in Puerto Rico. 2 Corinthians, but it speaks so true. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, there are a new creation has come, the old is gone, the new is here. Now, I used the term the other day in the office when somebody came in. I said, Christians eat their own. And they looked at me and they said, what do you mean? I said, you know, I said, it doesn't matter in life. I said, we're fighting Satan and everything else. And on top of it, you always catch Christians chewing each other up. And when I read this verse, talking about being in Christ, I'm thinking about a people that just turn their lives over to Christ and they want to start a new beginning. And the first moment that they fail or they trip or they struggle, they're already feeling bad enough about their own life. And then somebody else has to point that out to them. Because it's easier to deflect what's happening in somebody else's life than to deal with the issues in our own life, isn't it? It's a lot safer. And so many times I watch people that struggle. And one thing I tell people in this is that when you're new and that newness has come, number one is the Holy Spirit is at the center of your being. When you're asking Christ in your heart, he is there and he has the Holy Spirit living in you. The Holy Spirit isn't one of these things that comes and goes in your life either. Remember that statement in the Bible, God says, I never leave you nor forsake you. It's exactly what he's talking about. But I'll tell you about the Holy Spirit. We label it our conscience, a bad feeling. But we as Christians are gifted because when we have a relationship in Christ, God has given us the provision that someone is always speaking into our lives. He is. But it's our responsibility to listen. When I talked about those students and they're talking about their lives and how they've stumbled, I look at them and I said, the big problem is we all as Christians, we get in this pattern where we're looking back. You have people that come forward and they'll say, I don't know if my life's good enough for me to make this decision yet. Or I'm going to make 
that relationship with Christ happen after I clean a few things up in life? Well, my first question is, you haven't cleaned them up so far on your own. What makes you think that you can do it on your own now? And then they'll quickly come back and they'll say, well, if you just knew what was in my past. And I have to use this as an analogy. My daughters, they both run cross country. And when they, over the years as they've run cross country, I don't know if you've ever been in a cross country meet, but you got idiot parents like me that you start a watch for them when they take off flying and then you run all over the course. The parents run farther than the runners do, okay? And you go see them at certain points of, their, of where they are in the race. And you're calling out to them what's going on. Not the places necessarily, but times and how they're doing. And if you can look in their face and you see them struggle. It's funny. Remember those three angelic faces. The two daughters, they don't look at father the same way. Brooklyn doesn't like to have me on the course because she knows I'm going to yell at her. Brianna doesn't like the fact that I yell at her, but every time that Kendra offers to be the adult, she goes, oh no, I want dad out there. Which makes me feel good because I know that's gonna be a good stressless day for me. I'm gonna get it yelling out of my system and it's gonna be great. But in a cross country race, the one thing that I always yell at my daughters, don't look back. Because it doesn't matter where you are on the course, if you've had a bad start and you see people running in front of you, you've got to keep your eye on the prize. You've got to keep moving forward. If you're sitting there looking over your shoulder, you're also causing yourself to slow down. Not only that, but you're seeing the people that are catching up to you. You get a little bit more discouraged. It's exactly the same way in our Christian walk that when we come to a relationship with Christ and he's at the center of our lives, quit looking at your past. And it is easier for me to sit here and say it than it is to do. And if it takes you your whole life leading to eternity, work on that. Because I get so tired in my own life when I realized the fact that Jeff hasn't moved as far as he needed to in this direction or in that direction just because of the fact that I'm worried about what happened back then. There's absolutely nothing I can do about back then. So my encouragement for you in this scripture is move forward. Keep your eye on the prize. Keep your eye on that cross. You know, in 17 years, well, it's going to be 17 years this fall, 17 years of walking into this sanctuary, the one thing that has always brought joy to my heart when I walk in those doors, and the first thing that I always look at is that cross. A lot of us, though, we get caught up in the fact that the only time we see the cross is when we walk in those doors. In your everyday life, that cross needs to be before you. It needs to be the reason why you're pushing on. So don't look back. Don't let Satan keep reminding you of those things in your life that keep pulling you down. Yes, the memories are going to be there, but at the moment that you find the ability to give that over to God, 
the faster and more effective that you're going to be in your relationship with Christ. Next set of scripture is this. It's Ephesians 2.10. It says, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for us to do. This last week when we were in Puerto Rico, I was so taken back and blessed by the fact that I watched students use the gifts that God has created in them. And there weren't a lot of us. But in this one area, two groups were given a house. And this house was squatter. I mean, it, it, was, it was bad. It was over a mountain, and that morning, my crew took all the supplies over that these crews were going to need this week to work on this gentleman's house. And when we got there, and we started placing the lumber underneath there, even before the work crews got there, you had chickens, you had no grass in the yard. Victor, who is the site person there, a friend of mine um, over the years, told me, he says, Jeff, he says, we're going to have to figure out a way to jack up this wall because we need to replace the decking under there. It's rotten, and we're afraid he's going to fall through. He says that part of the roof is bad, and this part of the wall is bad. He says, we need to do something about this. And I said, okay. I said, if I need to come over, I can. And, and it never worked out that I went back over and worked on that house, but we would meet with the crew chiefs every night, and we would talk about the stuff that were going to be done. But in that week, that house was loved on, and ripped apart and nailed back together. Kayla Ford was on that crew, and one thing I can tell you that she learned is that plumbing isn't necessarily the same in every country. You laugh because you didn't do it. But she was out holding a ladder one day, and she was walking around the building. And when you talk about a septic system in Puerto Rico, it's in the creek on the ground. And she happened to step in it. Greatest thing, though, those shoes remained in Puerto Rico. <laughs> this gentleman's house in that little community, about five or six houses in there, five of those houses were beautiful. People kept them up. And he was looked at as the trash. It was the garbage heap. It was where everything collected. In that one week, those students poured their life into that house and into that man, loved on him, shared Christ with him, replaced it, painted that house. And on the last day, last day of world changers, we always take out and we give a Bible to the people who are our residents because we've been sharing Christ with them all week long. And the guys, the adults that were on the crew came back and said, you would not believe it because all of a sudden, all those neighbors came to his house and they were sitting on his porch. And the little toothless man that lived in there was grinning from ear to ear because for an instant in his life, he wasn't looking at his past and how he didn't have things and neither were anybody else. They were seeing the new. People, that 
is the perfect example for your life. Your life is a house that is being rebuilt until the day you draw your last breath. Don't you ever stop working on that perfect building in your life, in your Christian walk. Because there are people that are going to be drawn to that because the way you treat them. God created you to do a job for him. You might have the words to be able to speak into people when they're hurting. You might have construction ability, and you can walk over and build a handicap ramp for somebody. It might be that your job is pushing a cart through a hospital or a nursing home and just going room to room and passing out candy and smiles and love all day long. Whatever God has called you to do, it's a perfect plan. But so many times when we read that verse, we lose the fact that that is exactly what God wants us to be. You know, we're in this series that I love my church, and this is why I love my church. I've got a thousand reasons, been thinking about them. This is really a reason why I love my church, is because I know that if there's an individual in this room today, maybe for the first time, if there's somebody that walks in here and they're struggling, in their life, and they don't have a relationship with Christ, or maybe they do, but they're struggling. There has never, ever been a time in this church that I have been here that I haven't seen this church reach out and wrap their arms around those people and love them and do life with them. But before you start patting yourself on the back, There's still a problem with that. It's great when they come in here and we're able to do it, but what are you doing outside? Because if we have the right mindset, people, we should never look at the people we work with, the good ones and the bad ones, the ones that frustrate us, the people we live with and family and friends, We should never look at them merely as just people in our lives, but we should always look at them as people that are possibly in need of a Savior. We should always look at them as people that we want to join with us and go into eternity. Not promising a mansion, but promising a life where we don't have these struggles anymore showing them there's an option to all the things that they let invade their life. The other thing I love about this church is when somebody like me stands up here and says that, I always know, because I can see in your faces, there are people going, I'll take that challenge. I'll go to work tomorrow and I'm going to look at somebody. This person absolutely drives me nuts. I'm going to love Jesus down down their throat, you know. And that's the way that we need to be as believers. We need to understand that in Christ means all of it. What a perfect design for us all to be able to live on this earth. The last scripture is this, Philippians 4, 7. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Simply put, 
being in Christ leads us to the point where God says, you might not understand it right now, but my son came to die for you to give you peace. You might not understand it right now, but all those questions you have for me do have an answer. You might not understand it right now because you're going through something in your life and it just seems like it's the one thing, but Jesus Christ offers a path. And God, guys, let me be very honest with you. Being a pastor of a church, doesn't matter what role a pastor you are, I am very weary of anybody that stands up and tells me they got it all figured out. And Kent and I will tell you about how many discussions that we have going down the highway talking about the fact of how inadequate we are to fill these roles. But for some reason, God keeps using us. And that's the way he wants to be in your life. So today, if you've walked into this place and you feel like, I can't be used, you're wrong. You have a specific purpose. You have a divine plan that was ordained by God. The guy that created the universe. God keeps this big ball spinning. If that's not amazing for you, I don't know what is. If you walked into this place and you said, you know what, I don't know where I am. Jeff, I'm a Christian, but my focus hadn't been on doing what God wants me to do, and I need to bring that focus back in. You know what? We have an altar up here, which is open all the time for you to come up and pray. Give it to God. Don't walk back out the same way you came in. If you're honest with yourself and you say, Jeff, I don't know where I am today. I don't know whether I have this relationship or not. Come up here and talk. Like I said, you don't go through this journey by yourself. And if today is the day that you create that special memory like I did back on March the 20th, 1977, and it's the day that you know you need to have Christ that's in your life, come up here and let me pray with you. Celebrate with you because you have so many people that love you and they just want to tell you your life is worth it. Don't let Satan speak louder than God.